0: This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for R.M. Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Okay, like I said, for this episode, I'm going to cover 25 cars that just sold that were incredible bargains. Now for this episode. I took information, the results from the four auctions that occurred for the big auction houses for October. So this would be RM Sotheby's Hershey sale, it would be Meekum's Chattanooga sale, Barrett Jackson's Houston sale, and Broad Arrow's Jim Taylor's sale. So why am I doing this episode? Well, really it's because sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but I get discouraged hearing about all these incredible sales going on for incredible prices because I just want a nice little 65 fastback Mustang, uh, something that is affordable, fun, and yeah, maybe I'll appreciate a little bit in the future. Uh, so I get depressed at times when I hear these record sales. I'm happy as as a clam for my clients because I want to get the best results possible for them, but sometimes it's a little disheartening. So there was one car in particular that I was floored how much it sold for, shocking. And I'll give that example, but you have to stay until the end of this podcast to hear. Exactly what it sold for and compare it to the estimate. Uh, That car was a 1954 Buick Roadmaster convertible, which is actually one of the three cars I would pick for my garage if I could only have three cars in the world. So, just so you know, one of them would be that, one of them would be a 1965 Shelby GT350, and then the last one would have to be a big Duesenberg. I don't know, maybe I need more cars like a Porsche 911 uh yeah i might need more than that all right let's say four all right so that car is the one that made me want to do an episode about bargains now there's a lot of stuff i have to cover before i actually get to the numbers because this is a little hard to pull together Uh, one thing i want to share off right up front and i'll probably do a special podcast episode on this in that if you're trying to sell a car it's incredibly important to pick the right auction house now i don't want to pick on any one auction house above another uh, but I do want to get some real-world examples where I have dug into the, to the numbers as a consultant for different clients, and I was kind of shocked by some of the results. Now, everybody knows Barrett-Jackson. Uh, they can sell the big high-dollar cars, such as a Mercedes-Going, uh, but that's not where I would take that car. I would take my resto mod there. I mean, if you look at their, their run rate um, of all the cars that sold, uh, let's see, for their last sale, which... Was in Houston, you know. I didn't crunch the numbers, but at least sixty percent of the cars were had the word custom, or replica, or uh, pro street, or resto mod in their title. So you know what? That's a great place to take those cars because that's where their client base is. So you really got to look at that. Now, when I think of Meekum, I think of muscle cars, pony cars, sports cars, and I also think about high turn. Lower dollar cars. Uh, for example, uh, I I dug into their Meccam Casimi sale. Now that is this is going to sound bad, but it really is what it is. It's like the Mannheim of collector car auctions. Mannheim is strictly about selling cars at wholesale used cars. Well, Meccam Casimi can kind of feel that way uh, because it they take everything, everything and anything. I mean, they had over three thousand cars in January sale. I counted three thousand three hundred and twenty-five based on the Excel spreadsheet I was able to download from their. Website, which is very handy and I wanted to look at their the European cars say pre-1971 because I'll see those cars at Mecham and I'm like why are these cars being sold here and when I looked at that specifically at the Kissimmee sale of those over 3,000 cars only 1.9 percent of the offerings were pre-1971 European cars and of those cars they sold at a rate of less than 73% sale through rate. Just for perspective, a general rate of success if an auction house clears 85, over 85%, that's considered a really good sale. European offerings at the Kasumi sale under seven, actually under 72% success rate selling. So who knows if those where those fell within the uh, estimate? Um, and from that perspective. Uh, they had 690 cars that sold for under 20 grand and 231 cars that sold for under 10 grand. So there was a lot of stuff that, you know what, it's, if you're lucky, there was probably some decent entry level cars there. Um, the European cars that were over 1971 old or newer, they were just basically used cars, you know, 2006, you know, uh, little small Mercedes convertibles or Audis or whatever. So, um, in this example, for Mikam, especially Kissimmee, I would not take anything such as a 275 GTB Ferrari, 300 SLs, Bugatti's, that type of stuff. So have to be very wise in where and when you place your car for sale. All right, let's go into uh, some of the strategies here. So I wanted to make a note on the estimate. So for this episode, how did I define what was a good deal or not? Now, if there was an estimate provided, So if the auction house posted an estimate and I could research that estimate in the results, which was for uh, RM Sotheby's and Broad Arrow, I compared the hammer price to the lowest estimate. Now, when I pull up the information on the screen here, you'll see my numbers differ slightly from the numbers I'm showing you because the numbers that are public after the auction include the 10% buyer's premium, or 10 or 12.5 percent, which is what Broad Arrow was charging in their results. The estimates do not include that. So if I'm going to a potential client, I'm saying your car. We think it's going to sell between 30,000 and 40,000 dollars. If it hammers for, you know, 33,000 dollars with a 10 percent uh, buyer's commission, that doesn't go in their pocket. That extra 10 percent, they get the 30,000 dollars. So. That's why there's a slight difference between what you might see on the screen and the numbers I'm quoting. Another thing about the estimates are you can't always put 100% um, uh, of the value in the estimates. There's strategical reasons why some estimates may not be on the you know, perfect. Uh, a couple examples would be is if you're consigning a collection of cars and maybe the consigner doesn't think your estimates are realistic, uh, but you wanna get the collection, uh, so maybe you're, you know, it's it's more of a, hey, you know, we think it's going to sell for $50,000. Uh, you will only do the estimate of 60 to 80 or whatever it might be. Uh, the auction house might be dead on with what they are saying it's going to sell for, but they will go ahead and put a slightly higher estimate on to uh, get the client, make the client happy and everybody's in agreement. But then they have that real world snapshot of, you know what, we think it's going to sell for less, be prepared for that. And hopefully you'll uh, accept the offer. Another thing is, is you know, sometimes it's really hard to, to make the estimates accurate. I know at R.M. Sotheby's Monterey sale, uh, there was quite a few cars that fell below estimate, but it was because these were cars that were pretty much one of one, or they had uh, bodywork that was special or a history that was super special. And these cars had not been on the auction uh channel or format for 20, 30 years. So how do you price that? I mean, there aren't any valuation guides for some of these really, really special high-end cars. So that can be difficult as well. And then also sometimes there's a strategy. I had this situation where I was approached with a 1955 Porsche Speedster barn find, and it was, it was horrible. It was, it was the A-frames were busted, the windows were missing, the seats were out. Had the original engine. It was out of the out of the car. It was uh, had a it rust. It wasn't, I mean, the floorboards were rusted out. I mean, it was just absolutely horrendous. Uh, now, people go nuts for that kind of stuff. Original matching numbers engine. Uh, it was a factory silver with red interior. I did not get the sale because someone came in with a pile of cash. Um, and my strategy would be, you know what? Let's put a realistic, maybe a slightly low estimate on it. Let's say 50 to, I don't know, 75 grand. You figure in mint shape these cars are 250 three hundred thousand uh, dollars and you factor in the cost of a restoration so the estimate would have been pretty accurate but the porsche files seeing a speecher with the specs i just mentioned with an estimate of 45 to 65 grand or whatever 50 to 75 grand they probably would have gone nuts on it, it had to be you know it would have had to have been no reserve and that thing could have sold for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. so that would have been a big miss but that's kind of where you you want to get it out there what might be perceived as a bargain Get everybody excited about it and see if it, it goes really well. In this particular scenario, there were like five or six siblings that had to make a decision and they had a cash hand in offer that, or an offer in hand that was really good. And I told them, just take the offer. <laughs> so that's another thing. Uh, so a lot to cover here. The other thing is for, let's see, for Mecham and Barrett, they did not have any estimates. Now, uh, I don't know that Barrett ever does estimates because everything's sold at no reserve. Uh, Meekum usually has estimates posted prior, but it looks like they take the estimates away afterwards. So in these scenarios, I used uh, Haggerty's number two valuations for these cars. Now, obviously, there could be a big sway there. I mean, every car looks great in pictures, so I did my best. Most of the cars seem to be three plus, two, two minus uh, based on the pictures I saw. Um, So there could be a big swing there as well. Um, but I did my best so this is for entertainment purposes only oh the other note I want to say is if you have a no reserve sale really the estimates should be as accurate as possible and hopefully your estimates fall right in the middle so that's something that came into huge play here with the broad arrow collection because uh, that entire sale was uh, no reserve except for one car a Jaguar D type I believe that did not sell so that is where the bargains can really be found uh, stay until the end because i'll give you some tips for finding that future bargain by a couple of the big parameters i i noticed now one car i did want to call out here i'm going to throw this picture up uh, this wasn't a tremendous sale uh, but i think it was a tremendous bargain so for full transparency this is a 1936 ford phaeton uh, i consigned this car to our hershey sale and it is absolutely gorgeous now phaeton is a four door convertible that does not have windows in the doors. And in this picture you will see, it does have the fabric inserts, which apparently is very, very expensive. This car is stunning. This car had like $300,000 worth of receipts uh, from a previous owner who had the restoration done. And this is a car you could drive right onto a Concourse show field and win. I mean, it is just absolutely stunning. And I put the estimate, now, re- remember, the money spent was around $300,000, not by the guy who, who I consigned it for, but by a previous owner. And I put the estimate at forty-five dollars to $50,000 because that's what they're worth, unfortunately, right now. It goes to the old saying of, you know, have someone else do the restoration and you reap the rewards, unfortunately. So I put the estimate at forty-five dollars to $55,000. It was the best one there. All the car specialists for Arms Sotheby's just couldn't believe how nice this car was. And there were three or four, 36 Ford phaetons there. By far the nicest one. I was hoping it would hit $65,000. It was put in at no reserve. And it hit right dead center of my estimate. The estimate was forty-five dollars to $55,000. It hit right at $50,000. So the owner was fine. He was He was happy. He understood what this car was worth today. And thankfully he did not have that money in it a previous owner did so while this wasn't the best the biggest bargain from a strict dollar perspective I think it was the best deal out there because you know you might not ever find a nicer one and to find one for this price it's just kind of crazy so all right well we're gonna start with the top 25 biggest bargains I found uh, the ones I did not include there were quite a few of these from the broad arrow sale they were non uh, no reserve and they were kind of like uh, barn finds um some of them were 40s and 50s pickup trucks and other uh, vehicles that looked like they were kind of left out in the field and they rusted a total a total project but there were a few where the estimate was like five i don't know five to eight thousand dollars and they sold for a hundred bucks <laughs> so for uh, a percent basis those would have been the highest uh the biggest bargains you know because that's like a 90 90 savings but i didn't include those because they weren't running driving cars uh, is the main reason I did not include those. All right, let's go to the first one here. Number 25. All right. This is from Barrett Jackson, Houston. Now again, this one is against number two uh, Haggerty rating. The value would be uh, $42,000. Uh, this one was no reserve and it sold for $39,000. So not a huge bargain, $3,000, uh, 7.1% savings on that car. The next one I'm going to is again from Bear Jackson. Now this one is, uh, let's see, a Pontiac GTO. These have been appreciating quite a bit in the marketplace and it was unfortunate. I mean, it was great for the buyer to see this one sell so low. Uh, number two value is $44,700. The hammer price on this was $38,000. So 15% savings. You then factor in the 10% uh, buyer's premium. So you're, you're saving a little bit, not a ton. All right, the next one I'm going to pick Um, this one is actually one of our top seven from dollar misses, uh, from a percent perspective, it was 16.9%. This is a beautiful car. So this was from RM Sotheby's Hershey sale. Honestly, it was a really good sale. I had a hard time finding, uh, some bargains, but I wanted to be sure I did mention RM Sotheby's from a bargain perspective, but this was a 1914 Thomas model K690 flyabout, Uh, so the percent difference wasn't huge. Like I said, 17%. But this is a big dollar car. Uh, let's see the estimate, the low estimate on this car was 650 grand and it sold for 540 grand. So it missed the low estimate by $110,000. So that was a big miss from a dollar perspective, but this is one of those cars. Like, how do you value it? A 1914 Thomas model, Uh, Fly about there's not a ton of them out there Uh, So, you know what you can kind of take a swing at it and do the best you can Uh, But like I said, this was one of our big misses from a dollar perspective Uh, I'm doing the top ten there and that was this I'm sorry the top seven and this was number seven All right next number 22 the biggest deal was now this one was from Meekum. Uh again, they didn't provide an estimate. So this is a 1960 austin Healy 3000 mark one roadster Number two value is fifty nine thousand two hundred dollars. And this one is a gorgeous color combo here uh, pacific green with uh, Ivy top ivy, uh, I want to say coves but the lower half of the side panel in black interior beautiful color combination. So 59.2 is the number two value. This one sold for 48000 so you're talking about a 19%, uh, 19% less than number two value. And then we're going back to RM Sotheby's here. Now, this is another cool car, European car here. Uh, this is a 1970 Mercedes-Benz 280 SE 3.5 liter sunroof coupe. So pretty rare because of the sunroof coupe. Uh, nice, desirable, uh, estimate was 100 to 125 let's see and this one sold for $80,000 so that's a 20% $20,000 miss from a low estimate So very very cool car pretty colors too like a, a blue with the tan interior all right next this one is a little bit of a surprise and it, you've heard me talk about this car a lot lately 2011 Cadillac CTS V wagon this one only had 8711 miles uh, kind of a, a silver with probably a black interior, low mileage. Now, the biggest ding on this car is that it's an automatic. Now, if this was one of the rare six speeds, this thing truly would have gone nuts. Uh, let's see. Number two value is $79,000, and it sold for $63,000. Uh, a little bit over a 20% miss on that one, so 20% uh, bargain. All right, next one is from, again, from R.M. Sotheby's Hershey. This is our number 18 car, uh, 1955 Ford, Oops, where'd it go? There we go, 1955 Ford uh, country sedan. The low estimate was $50,000 and it sold for 36. So that's, uh, let's see, what is that? A 28% savings below low estimate. And then we're going to Oh, I skipped one. I'm sorry. That's why I'm having problems here. I skipped one. I skipped from Barrett Jackson, a Toyota FJ. All right, so 1965 Toyota Land Cruiser hard top, not the soft top. Now, I don't know why, but in Haggerty's database, they did not have a 1965 Land Cruiser valuation available. But since it was pretty much unchanged, I used the 1968 valuation data, and number two value is 50 thousand four hundred dollars this one sold for forty thousand dollars that's a little bit over 20% uh, under low estimate and now here's the first Ferrari from Meekum. like I said I always wonder why people sell their European cars at Meekum, but it is what it is all right this is a 1999 Ferrari F355 Spyder this one did have a reserve Uh, number two value is 133 grand. This one hammered sold at 90 grand black on black, which I have to imagine adds value 26,000 miles. And that is $43,000 under number two value. So that's 32% below uh, number two value. And Barrett headed back over to Barrett Jackson. This one was, we're getting big here. And just to let you know, the number one uh, car that I have on this list was 90% off of the low estimate uh, all right for this one we have a 2008 mercedes-benz slr mclaren roadster i love these cars uh, this is our sixth biggest miss from a dollar perspective uh, this one did not have a reserve number two value four hundred and nine thousand dollars and this one hammered sold for 275 ouch that hurt all right let's see so That difference there is $134,000, 33% 33%, uh, under number two value uh, for this car. All right, now this next one is a biggie. Uh, It's our number 15 from a percent perspective, uh, missing the low estimate from a dollar perspective. It's actually our number two miss. So it tells you it's a big one. All right, this one came from the Broad Arrow Jim, Jim Taylor sale, uh, 1962 Aston Martin DB4, no reserve. Uh, low estimate was $450,000, and it sold for $300,000, and that's $150,000 miss, 33.3% uh, below a low estimate. If you're watching the screen right now, it does say three hundred and thirty five. dollars thousand dollars that includes the 12.5 percent buyer's premium i mentioned earlier all right next uh it's another um broad arrow sale number 14 uh from the bargain list and it's actually our number three car when it comes to dollar miss uh 1936 bugatti type 57 beautiful car two-tone blue dark blue light blue uh the estimate On this one, the low estimate, again, was $450,000, sold for $300,000, $150,000 miss. Same exact miss as the DB4. All right, now we're going to move over to Barrett-Jackson. Again, you know, someone's selling a factory Porsche at Barrett-Jackson that hasn't been (laughs) resto-modded. So, you know, you got to expect what you expect. This one is a 1994 Porsche 911 Carrera 2 Cabriolet. No reserve sold for, I'm sorry, number two value is $69,100. This one sold for $46,000, 33% under number two condition. Uh, Yeah, if you want want a really cheap price on a Porsche, go to Mecham or go to Barrett Jackson. All right, next from Mecham Chattanooga. This was a big sale. Uh, Let's see, 1978 Ferrari 308 GTS. This one did have a reserve. Uh, the number two value is $128,000. It sold for $85,000. $43,000 $43, miss, 33.6% uh, underneath number two value. All right, we're going to head back to RM Sotheby's for our number 11 uh, car for the greatest bargains. This is uh, same car as mine, a 1936 Uh, Ford Model 68 Cabriolet. This one is a not, in my mind, attractive brown with uh, a pretty attractive brown interior. Uh, Colors do mean a lot. The estimate on this one, the low estimate was $60,000. For some reason, they had a higher estimate than I did. And it hammered for $37,500. That's a $22,500 miss, 38% under the low estimate. All right, now we're into the top 10 uh, from the perspective of the best bargains. And we're headed back over to the Jim Taylor collection. This is a 1961 Aston Martin DB4. This was also one of our biggest dollar misses. So $350,000, low estimate. It sold for $200,000, 42.9% underneath the low estimate. Now, this one, I didn't look into this one too closely, but I don't know that that's a factory color on this car. It looks almost like a robin's egg blue. Uh, Maybe it is. It it would be beautiful if it was. And then it looks like either it's unrestored or it has quite a bit of patina, especially on the wire wheels, which may have kept this price slightly soft. So this was our number four biggest dollar miss uh, when it comes strictly from a dollar perspective. And then we are going to stay over at the Jim Taylor Collection with this 1987, another Aston Martin, 1987 Aston Martin V8 Volante. Uh, this thing is gorgeous. I love these. Even though it's an 80s car, I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, $300,000 low estimate, and it sold for 165, $135,000 under the low estimate. That's a 45% miss uh, of low estimate. Now, before you feel bad uh, for the owner of these cars, a lot of times, especially when it's a new auction company that's trying to make uh, you know, a wave in the uh, business. Um, They might've had a guarantee number on all these cars. And so if there was a loss, it might've been the auction house taking the loss. I don't know that for sure. I will say, you know, they've only had two auctions and this being their second one, they've done an incredible job. Just unbelievable. Even just to have your second auction being, I don't know, $20, $22 million worth of cars at no reserve is quite the feat. So hats off to them for really coming out of the gate strong. All right. Next, we're going back to Meekum. This is a 1987 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Now, this one was quite the bargain. <laughs> it was, uh, let's see, number two values $15,600. This one sold for $8,000. So you're talking $7,600 difference, 49% uh, below number two value. That one can be kind of a harder read. I mean, the car looks great in pictures. Maybe it was a number three car, but In the pictures, it looks like a number two car. All right, headed back over to Barrett Jackson. So now this is our number seven, another Porsche at Barrett Jackson. I'm telling you, go to Barrett Jackson or Meekum to get your Porsche deals, your European car deals. Uh, Let's see 1998 Porsche 911 Carrera Cabriolet. Number two value is $72,400. And now get this it sold for $37,000, a $50,000 miss. That's uh, almost 58% under number two value. Now, to be fair, as I'm looking at these pictures, as they're flipping across the screen here, that might be a number three car. So the gap might not be as big, uh, but you know, again, this is for entertainment purposes only. All right, we are back for another Porsche, but this time we are going to Mecham again. 1983 Porsche 911 Carrera. This is our number six car in the list. Uh, let's see. Number 2 oh, I'm sorry. Number two value, $87,000. This one hammered sold for $37,000. $50,000 under number two value. 58% again uh, underneath the uh, number two value. All right, now we're getting into some big ones here. Uh, the top five, top five. Number five is again from Broad Arrow. Uh, let's see, 2006 Ferrari 599 GTB it's, it's a lot. It's got a lot of decals from the Panamera, Ameri- the Pan American 20,000 race. Uh, so a lot of decals that probably hurt it a little bit. It's, it loses the beautiful flowing lines of the Ferrari being covered up by racing decals. Uh, the low estimate on this one is $450,000. It hammered, sold, get this, for $190,000. So $260,000 underneath the low estimate. That's 57.8%. That is just painful, honestly. Uh, And that is actually our number one uh, difference from a dollar perspective versus the low estimate, the 2006 Ferrari 599. All right, we are back to RM Sotheby's for the number four car with the biggest bargain deal here. 1957 Jaguar Mark eight. Now this one did have a reserve. Uh, The low estimate was $60,000. And this sucker sold for $22,500. It's black, it's got maroon interior. It is a beautiful style. Now from what I understand, uh, these these cars are a little hard to keep up with just because a lot of the parts are not uh, reproduced, at least from a trim perspective. I was actually just talking to someone today. He was looking for a Mark 8. I don't know that he knew this one was available. So big miss on this one, 62.5%. Uh, so this seems like an absolute screaming deal, but it's our number four car. It's not our number one car. So stay tuned here. We've got three more to go. All right, number three. Now, this is the car actually made me want to do this podcast episode. This is the 1954 Buick Roadmaster Convertible Prototype. So what's crazy about this, like I said, I'd love to have a Buick Roadmaster. It's yellow on top, dark red on bottom. It's got a red interior. Uh, It is just really, really beautiful. And the estimate on this one was 120, I think it was to $160,000 and it sold For $44,000 oh I wish I was in the room for this one that's $76,000 under low estimate I mean can you imagine that getting a Roadmaster convertible period for $44,000 but the fact that it's the prototype I mean I think the estimate was right on it's just the buyers were not in the room and I'll go into a minute as far as my thoughts on why uh, this sold for that cheap uh anyways so that was just shocking it's just an absolutely gorgeous car um i mean everything about the car it should have sold probably at the high end of that estimate if i had to guess i mean 53 roadmaster convertibles are selling around 80 to 100 maybe 110 uh so it seemed right on all right two more and these are pretty interesting uh again from broad arrow this 1925 ario Speedwagon heavy duty Oberchain Boyer fire truck now the fire trucks really suffered for some reason Uh, The estimate on this one wasn't much $20,000 like twenty to thirty thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars was the low estimate This thing hammered for less than thirty five hundred dollars three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars So that means it missed the low estimate by sixteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars I used this one and the next one because they seem to be running driving examples. So that's an 83.8% miss. And the number one miss from a percentage perspective, the number one dollar miss, and I remember it was the 2006 Ferrari 599. Number one miss, the biggest bargain in October, based on what I researched, and there's not a picture because it's no longer on the website for some reason, uh, is uh, Broad Arrow's 1935 Ford Model BB, now this one, the estimate was sixty to I think seventy thousand dollars. The est- the low estimate was sixty thousand dollars. So I have to believe it was a running driving truck or model BB, and it sold for six thousand dollars. So it just seemed like, man, what a what a bargain. Six thousand dollars, even with the ten percent, twelve and a half percent on top of that. Uh the difference from the low estimate was fifty four thousand dollars, ninety percent savings on that based on that estimate. So Really nuts. And I guess, you know, why Why did some of these cars sell for so cheap? Well, I guess a couple of reasons why. First, I think some of the cars were at the wrong auction. I think that's a great example with the Porsches from uh, Bear jackson and the Ferraris from Mecham. Um, I think, uh, at least in the broad arrow perspective, I mean, it's an incredible Herculean effort they made. And they have successfully had their second auction uh, conducted. They have a third one coming up. But I think you just cannot uh, create a global audience that fast. And I think um, that's one of the reasons, you know, you just cannot expand your base no matter how good you are. It just does, doesn't seem to be possible or realistic. The other thing is, um, it was a, an auction that was on site. And so I know when you have it on site is you should expect the results possibly to be a little softer than if it was at a Monterey, a Scottsdale or Amelia Island. Because at those big events like that, all the buyers are in the room. If they start seeing these things selling for six grand, they're going to ha- they're going to bid it up to uh, you know at you know much more respectable amount. You know maybe it reaches wholesale, but still that's better than where some of these numbers uh, shook out. So, anyways, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I hope to do this every once in a while. Um, You know, bring you some of the bargains that are out there. Now, if you're looking for bargains, I would say, like I just kind of alluded to, uh, go to Kissimmee, uh, Mecham, Kissimmee in uh, January and look at the European cars, specifically the pre-1971 European cars, and hopefully you'll find a great ride there. So, as always, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, thanks for sharing, and I will talk to all of you next week.